Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions in critical times. Here's your host, Bill Kelly. Hey, welcome. This is a special edition of the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions in our critical times. I'm your host, Bill Kelly, and uh, this is a very important time in Canada uh, because one of the things that is still uniquely Canadian is about to celebrate not just the end of their season, but their Grey Cup, which is one of the oldest sports traditions, one of the oldest sports trophies in North America. And uh, notwithstanding that little blip we had a few years ago in the 1990s when there's some American teams, it's one of the few professional leagues that still is all Canadian, and we love it, especially given the fact that uh, we're heading into playoff time. And uh, to talk about what's going to be happening in the next few weeks, heading into the Grey Cup, which is in Hamilton this year again, so pleased to welcome to our podcast, Josh Smith. Uh, Josh uh, works for Three Down Nation, of course, covers the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, we haven't talked for a few weeks, bud. Great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for doing this today. It's fabulous to be back. It hasn't felt like Tiger Cats football for me for the last few weeks, not talking to you about it. So it's nice to get back in the saddle and get to chat some Tiger Cats ball with you, Bill. Well, you know what's so cool about this? I mean, this this is our podcast, and we love doing this. But uh, the day after all this stuff happened in, in, in the radio thing, uh, my wife, Rebecca, was at a, a function. It was about a Grey Cup thing, actually, talking about the lineup. And Scott Mitchell tapped her on the shoulder and said, uh, no brainer, I want Bill on the Tiger Cat Network. So I'm doing that, too. I mean... <laughs> You know, black and gold is in our blood, and, and so we're doing that. So let, let's talk a little bit about this. We're winding down the regular season. It's been a, a, a rather tumultuous season for the Tiger Cats. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly, I guess. Uh, one more game left, which, uh, as you guys talked about, was a nothing game. But I'm going to set that just aside for a minute uh, because I know on your podcast, you guys were talking just the other day about the uh, the Outstanding Player Awards for the Canadian Football League. And by the way, just to tie it back into the Grey Cup, week in Hamilton. Uh, kind of a unique idea. They're going to uh, announce the winners of these at Falls View Casino. That's where the awards ceremony is going to be this year. And and if you're in the Hamilton area, by the way, there's shuttle services, so you can go and have a couple of pops there and get the bus back. But you guys came up with your uh, your predictions. And uh, just a little while ago, before we started this podcast, uh, they they announced the official uh, nominees for each team. All, all teams, of course, have nominees for this. And I wanted to get your read on this, because uh, some of these things uh, we're a little bit different uh, from what you guys mentioned on the podcast. So I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I think it's worth mentioning uh, with some of these categories. Uh, the most outstanding player, uh, the Hamilton nominee is Tim White, uh, who's had an outstanding season. And as you mentioned in your podcast, pretty slow start to the season. We wondered if Tim was even going to show up this year, uh, but he came out with guns ablazing about week three or something and has had a tremendous impact. Uh now, this is where all nine nominees are mentioned. Of course, they're going to pare it down, and it's going to be one from the East, one from the West. But I look at some of the competition here. Uh, he's talking with, uh, well, Brady Oliveira, who I know you've got a lot of respect for, Chad Kelly from the Argos, uh, Devontae Williams from Ottawa, Vernon Adams from Junior. Uh, Tim White, I think, is is a natural for the Ticats for, for most outstanding player. But he's in tough against some pretty good competition here, isn't he? Oh, for sure. It was, it's for, for me, for MOP, for the Ticats, it was down to Tim White and, and James Butler. And it's really split in hairs between those two. You, you could make an argument for both. I don't think either would have been wrong, but to, to look at the rest of the nominees, like it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough sledding a little bit for, uh, for Tim White to maybe even get the East nomination. Yeah. To, uh, over to Kelly. Like, yeah. Yeah, like it it feels like it's going to be Chad Kelly's like it's been, you know, I know we're we're Ticat guys here but begrudgingly you have to look at what Chad Kelly did and been like yeah. 
I mean, that was a heck of that's a heck of a season he's had in Toronto, and the Argos are clearly and have been since day one the best team in the league this year. So definitely an uphill climb for for Tim White there. I, I think it's a like like I said, deserving award. James Butler probably had a had just an equally deserving there. So that yeah. to me, it was a difficult thing to pick between those two, but I don't think that necessarily Tim White's selection was wrong. But he does. It's I can't see him getting the the East nomination, unfortunately. Uh, most outstanding defensive player, um, I, and you guys talked about the guy who is going to be the nominee, uh, and and I and you and I talked about this at the beginning of the season. A lot of people looked at this season and said, you know, is Simone even going to make the team this year? He's in the twilight of his career. Uh, he had a pretty good season last year, but you figure, you know, age and everything like that. And and he may I, I think there's a, a point to be made that maybe he started off rather slowly, but in the last ten to twelve games of the season, this guy has been phenomenal. He's playing like like a, well, he's playing like a veteran, but he's got this rookie enthusiasm that we haven't seen for a long time in Simone. I remember sitting at Tim Hortons Field during the summer with a fellow fan. We would watch practice together, and we were kind of like begrudgingly like watching Simone and watching him during the games, and being like, is he? You don't want to say he's done, but it's like, man, he does look a step slower. And then all of a sudden the light went off and it's just these last six, seven, eight weeks, like basically since Labor Day, yeah. he's been phenomenal. Like they, there's been a, there's a lot of good defensive players on this team. I think Richard Leonard has had an underrated yeah. great season. I think Casey sales because of the position he plays, hasn't been given as much credit as I think he probably deserves, but man, oh man, Simone's just been like I, I thought going and like you said, we talked about like I thought going in this year, like, is this his last year? Is he brought back as like, OK, the Cups in Hamilton. You want him to be a member of that team if this team's going to go all the way. And they still have a chance to do that, having made the playoffs, although it's a much diff- more difficult path than maybe we thought coming into the season. And then it's just these last few weeks, it's been, oh, he's back to being that player he was. No, he, like you said, he's 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 a veteran. He's in his age 34 year like he's not. This isn't 25-year-old Simone Lawrence, but he still looks like he's got a couple good years left. Like, I would have thought going into this year that it was, this was the swan song. Like, I very nearly wrote in my post-game piece after the last game against BC, and I decided to edit it out, but I almost put a section in there about, like, was this Simone Lawrence's final game in Hamilton as a Tiger Cat? Like, barring them going to the Grey Cup, it's like, was this the last regular season game Mm -hmm. that we'd see him play here? But then as as he played that game and as he played over the course of the season, it's like, I don't think that that's the case. Like, I think he's, he's still got... You know, it's not five years left, but he's got a year or two, I think, left in him where he can still be a high-level player. And getting the team's nomination for top defensive player, I think, speaks to that. Like, that's the media and that's the people around the team looking at what this what this defense has done. And especially as they picked up the pace the last few weeks, a lot of it's been – Simone's been the catalyst for it. And I would not have thought that back in, like, late July, early August. I would have thought that we're talking about someone having replacing him, Simone maybe being more of a uh, – a rotational player. Yeah. Like yeah. Kind of Garrett Davis be like, he'll come in when needed and he'll add that veteran presence and that leadership on the sideline that he's still known for. Instead, he's gone on to be one of the best defensive players in this team and, and a deserving nominee for most of any defensive player from the Ticats. It's, it's been a remarkable turnaround for him. And he's making impact plays, you know, interceptions, mm-hmm. fumble recoveries, uh, quarterback sacks, and, and, and still with all this has this tremendous ability to piss off the opposition by oh, something yeah. he says. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm only 10, 12, 13 rows up from the, and I can hear him from here. I mean, and so, and if I can hear it, they can hear it. And that's, that's Simone, but that's part of his charm, isn't it? That's why he's so beloved in this community. Like I've, I think I've said on your previous shows to me, he's this generation's Angela Mosca. And yeah. I know that that that's huge praise coming from, from Ticat fans and, and, and someone like yourself who, who 
watched Moscow play. Like I wasn't, I wasn't around when that happened, but there are others that have, and you look at what he's meant to this city, what he's meant to this team. Like there was that great story in the Hamilton spectator a few weeks ago about how he met with a fan who I believe had cancer and like went, spent a day with him. And it's just, I saw that and it just, it's like, it's not just that he's a player in this community. Like he understands this community. He is this community. And I think that because of that, we're also, we get, you know, veteran guy been here for so long. You want to root for a guy like that to finally get a chance, hopefully at the end of this year, hoisting that great cup. But yeah, just a remarkable guy. Just he's going to go down as one of the all-time greats in this franchise's history. You look up at Tim Hortons field and see that ring of honor. He'll be going up there one day, not long after he retires, but hopefully he's still got a few more years left in him. He can get a couple great cup rings to add to it. Most outstanding Canadian. I, and the nominee from the tiger cats is a guy who has very quickly become a fan favorite. I mean, he, he was basically doing special teams. I mean, he got his chances. He played the great cup two years ago uh, when the game was here because of injury. And uh, and there was a lot of concern, of course, when Adelike went down with an injury. Oh, what are you going to do with safety? Well, Stavro Castatona stepped up and uh, in a big, big way. And he has had an outstanding second half of the season to the point, usually, okay, this guy's injured. Okay, Stav, go in there, do what you can. Uh, as soon as the other guy's fin- healthy, he comes back. They had to find another place uh, yep. because you say, I can't take this guy off the field. No, absolutely. I was turned on to Katz and Tonus when the Ticats drafted him. My colleague at Three Down Nation, JC Abbott, they went to school together at UBC and mm-hmm. he was a big proponent of Katz and Tonus thinking like, no, this guy's going to be a player in the CFL. So when the Ticats drafted him, I was like, okay, a guy I really respect. Like JC's really good when it comes to Canadian talent. Like he's our best guy, I think, when it comes to uh, identifying Canadian and getting draft stuff and all that, all that good stuff. So I was like, okay, if he says he's pretty good, like maybe there's a little bias there going to the same school as him, but I'm going to keep my eye on him and you know, he didn't play a lot on defense his first couple of years, mostly, like you said, playing on special teams. Got his opportunity this year, has had some opportunities previously, but really got his opportunity this year and just took off. He became the player that JC was telling me about all those all those times, just like, no, this is the guy. Like he's Once he steps into the lineup, he's going to be potentially the best safety in the CFL. And it's pretty much been the case. Like like you said, they normally, guy gets hurt. They, he comes back. Okay. You're back in your spot. We move everyone back where they were. They were like, no, we got to keep this kid on the field. And they move a delicate to, to field halfback. Unfortunately, delicate got hurt again, but cats and Tonus took that position, made it his own. Excellent. Excellent choice. In my opinion for top Canadian, I really don't think there's anyone else that could have not like, there's been some good performances from some Canadians this year. Keandre Smith, a guy I was yeah. high on is really over the last few weeks, especially that Argo game in Toronto that they lost. I think that was kind of his breakout moment. And then he's kind of continued on since then. But, but Katz and Tonus was, was the guy he's just been, he's been awesome and he's a free agent at the end of the year. So hopefully this team ponies up the dough to sign him. I think he'll end up signing a contract this year in this off season to become the highest paid defensive back in the league. And it's absolutely 100% deserving. And could well be the Eastern nominee. The, yep. the downside, of course, he's going probably going up against Brady Oliveira uh, from Winnipeg uh, for top Canadian. And, uh, well, <laughs> well, good luck with that. That's going to be yep. tough. Uh, outstanding special teams player uh, is, is going to be rather interesting. Uh, and, and, again, I know that you guys had some concern about that. And it's funny, when I look at the nominees here uh, for the whole league, uh, all the Western nominees, as far as I can see, are all kickers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we come to the East, and it's the guys that return the kicks uh, that seem to have impressed them. There's an interesting divide there, isn't there? Yeah, there really is. And honestly, and this is no shot at Tyreek McAllister. He's been excellent. Cathel Flowers-Lloyd has been, and the guys who do the coverage on kicks don't get as much 
publicity as I think they should. I've tried to do my best this year to really give him some runway. Like he leads the league as a rookie leads the league in special teams tackles. He's seven away. He probably won't break it, but he's seven away from the single season record. Like this is a guy that's toiled on special teams that no one really talks about. I think he, he, in my opinion, should have been the the nominee, quite frankly. Um, I don't think, I think McAllister has been really good. I think maybe because, it's, it's tough with special team stuff because you want to just focus on what they did special teams, but you kind of also look at McAllister had a little bit of offense, like a couple touchdowns on offense and big plays offensively. I think that kind of leans into the voters as well. You know what I mean? I think if you're just talking purely special teams, man, Flowers Lloyd has been exceptional. It seems like every game he's getting two or three special teams tackles and he's always around the ball on a kick. So it's like, again, I don't ever want to take away from the guys that do get nominated because everybody that gets a nomination is equally deserving don't get me wrong i just think that i would have gone with flowers lloyd there i just think he's been he's been above and beyond as a as a coverage guy especially doing it as a rookie people i think have a lot more respect for special teams than they used to and, mm-hmm. and maybe the quintessential example of that is, is steve tasker from the buffalo yep. bills his dad of of course luke tasker who uh, still does the color commentary on our broadcast uh for the tiger cats uh steve tasker just made it his job you know he got picked up uh, by the bills uh, off waivers from houston and he became, well, he's an all-star every year as a special mm-hmm. teamer and even got consideration for the Hall of Fame. He was that good. I mean, he, he got in and played a little bit of offense too, but special teams was his thing. Uh, and it was downfield and tackling and doing everything else. He's not the biggest guy in the world, as you know, but he just made it his job and he was the best at it. And I get that sense with a lot of the special teams guys. And it's, I, I'd like to see some more of that recognition for them because, uh, you know, it's, it's great to say, hey, we want a, a breakout guy who's going to score a touchdown every time. And those guys that are on the, the, on the receiving team and on the, the, the cover team, they know that. So it's his job to make sure that guy, let's face it, you're going up against some of the most talented receivers and fastest guys in the league when you're on the cover team, and your job is to stop them, and he does it. Now, having said that, you know, it's I, I have no problem at all with McAllister. He's had a great no. year, but as you mentioned, he hasn't broken one, hasn't crossed. Well, he has actually, but they've been called back. They've been called back, yeah. But But you know the problem here? is in Hamilton, at least for the foreseeable future, no matter who you are, whether it's McAllister or any of the other people, uh, the bar has been set pretty high here because of Speedy Banks. And they're yes. always going to compare him to him. Because every time he touched the ball, it was a potential touchdown. And and that was maybe it's maybe unfair to compare these guys to him. But that's going to be the comparison, isn't it? For sure. And returner has always been an area of strength for this team going back to Earl Winfield. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah. Like, like it's always seems as if this team finds the next guy and yeah, Brandon Banks set that bar extremely high and very few people in the history of this game will ever come close to matching that. But McAllister's done a heck of a job. Can't take anything away from him. It's just, I just like, sometimes you, you watch this team as closely as we do. And you're like, I wish more people would, would know how good this other guy is and getting an award nomination. Like this is one of those ways they can do that, but it wasn't meant to be, but you know what, if this, if, if flowers Lloyd plays another few years with this team, I, I can see him finally. It's usually the year after. It's I, I've heard that, especially in the NFL. It's like guys make the Pro Bowl the year after their big breakout season. Mm-hmm. Maybe next year we see Flowers Lloyd get some of the uh, credit he deserves for what he did this year. Well, and you're going to see him in the secondary pretty soon, too. Uh, very quickly, the other two categories, outstanding offensive linemen. Now, I've talked to a bunch of former Tiger Cat linemen, Jason Riley and, and some of the other guys that are still hanging around in the Alumni Association. And when I talk to them about who's impressed them on the offensive line, uh, the guy most of them mention is Wolmanzi, who I think they, they say, what an improvement. I mean, from where he started to where he is now. Uh, but the veteran, uh, the guy who's been the solid and the rock, 
uh, Brandon Revenberg is the nominee, and and you can't argue that, really, can you? Uh, not not at all. I'm glad to hear that the other guys, because sometimes I wonder if my eye, because the guys that played the game know this better than any of us yeah. ever will. They've forgotten more about football than we'll ever know. And my eye, Wood Manzi was one of those guys where I was like, coming into the year, you looked at that Ticats offensive line, you go, and, and it's, I don't mean it pejoratively, but he was the quote unquote weak link. Like, cause he's the guy that no one really knew. It's like yeah. Figueroa, they bring in for the big money. Okay. He's going to be great. David Beard. We know is great. Revenberg. We know is awesome. And then you have him and you're thinking like, okay, but he, I, I've been watching him thought he's done a tremendous job this year. Like he, if not for Revenberg, he's probably the the nominee for this team, but you can't argue Revenberg's one of the, like, I mean, he's in the midst of his career, but you look at what he's done. It's like, there's talk of him being one of the all-time greats at, at his position. You know what I mean? Like he's just been an absolute rock star there. So no, you can't, can't really complain about that, but it's nice to hear that some of the, some of the older guys that really know what offensive line play looks like are looking at with Manzi as well. That bodes well for him in the future. I think it does too. Yeah. And this is a guy that's going to win his awards and he'll, he'll get his share of them going up. Mm-hmm. Uh, last one, very quickly, the most outstanding rookie Hamilton's nominee is Taylor Powell. Now I'll preface this by saying, God only knows where this football team would be if Taylor Powell hadn't stepped up and done what he did. I mean, you know, he's 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 you know not going to lead this team to the Grey Cup. It's not going to be one of those Chuck Ely success stories where he comes in and and never lets go of the of the position. But he was there when we need him. He 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 improved immensely uh, in the time that he was in there. And and God knows, I mean, we'd be mired in last place right now had it not been yep. for some of the efforts. So it, it, it's I, I think it's a, a, a homage to to the effort that he put in there. I don't know if he's going to win it. I don't even know if he's going to be the, the, the Eastern nominee. David Crumb was at a, or Dustin Crumb, rather, had a pretty good season with the, the, the Red Blacks, too, uh, in pretty much the same sort of position. But uh, but I think it's, it's, it's something worthy, I think, for a guy like Powell to say, hey, you know what, this is our appreciation for the great job that you did. I think that's exactly what it is. I think this team is, I mean, a lot of teams, especially the teams, if you look at the, the best teams in the league this year, they didn't lose their quarterbacks. But if you look at the teams like Hamilton, Ottawa, Saskatchewan, like they all lost quarterbacks at specific times this year and it hurt them. So you look at the Riders, for example, they lose Trevor Harris. They lose seven straight at the end of the year. They, have, they haven't won since Labor Day and that cost them a playoff spot. Hamilton, there were ups and downs with Taylor Powell, but as you said, he kind of steadily got better as the, as the games went on. They didn't win them all, but they won enough to keep them in the hunt, which is what you can't say that Ottawa after a really, you know, meteoric rise for Dustin Crum kind of cratered afterwards, lost a bunch of games, Saskatchewan. Like you didn't see that with, with Powell. That's a credit to the team he has around him, but it's a credit to the player as well. And I think that is that this is sort of like a thank you for, I mean, without him, like you said, they're probably, there's probably a, a Western crossover, quite frankly, but yeah. they were able to, he was able to keep this team afloat and had moments of brilliance. There were games where you're watching him going like, okay, maybe he's, there's something here. And it was nice to see him play. You didn't want to see him play at the start of the year. You were hoping Bo would play all 18. Didn't happen. Did an excellent job to keep this team afloat though. And by the way, just as an aside, and if you look at a picture of Taylor Powell and a picture of Bo Levi Mitchell side by side, this looks like separated at birth, doesn't it? Yep. I mean, physically, they, they, I mean, Bo's a little taller, obviously, but uh, very, very similar. It's a little eerie, actually, when you look at those two guys standing beside each other. The first but time anyway. I saw them side by side at practice, I was like, oh, if there wasn't numbers here, like, you, <laughs> you, you, Bo's a little older, like you said, a little taller, but you're like, there is some eerie physical similarities between these two. 
Yeah, I'm sure they, they noticed that in the huddle, too. Uh, okay, so those are the nominees, and we'll see how that plays out. And, of course, as we say, in Falls View Casino, they'll announce those during Grey Cup week. Uh, there's one game left. It's I, I hate to use this phrase in any sporting um, venue. It's a nothing game. It's not yeah. going to impact the standings. Uh, and I know a lot of vets. You mentioned Simone's probably going to sit out. I don't know how much time Bo Levi is going to play. Uh, but the funny thing is, is they're in Montreal to play the Alouettes to finish out the season. They're back there the following week to play the Alouettes, and that does mean something. Do you yes. do you look at this as to send a message, or do you just try to play out the string here and get ready for the next week when the when it really counts? I think you just hope to get out of this game healthy. Let's let's be honest. Like, I, yeah, I hate saying meaningless game, nothing game. Like, it, it it's they play these games. These guys are some guys are going to get chances. I, I was at practice this week, and I don't think James Butler is going to play in this one. So I, there's a guy by the name of Tayon Fleet Davis who has sat on the practice roster all year. He's going to get an opportunity to play. He's going to want to perform well and. And maybe it won't be with this team next year, but maybe he gets an opportunity with somebody else, or maybe the Ticats bring him back to be a backup runner. Like, there are going to be guys in this game that are going to play that you don't know of, that who you don't remember, who who might only play this one game, but they're going to go out there and they're going to try to do some stuff. But I think you hope to just come out as healthy as you possibly can. I don't think you're going to see a lot of like, neither team, I don't think, is going to try to tip anything off here. They're going to want to save all their best stuff for the week after, which is the game that means the most out of any game so far this year. So it's it's a tough one to try to promote, to try to get people interested in. But the way I look at it is there's going to be some guys in here you don't know, but this is when guys can can step up. I mean, Dane Evans once started a season finale for this team in a, in a game that meant, quote-unquote, nothing. It was, I believe it was the 2018 season. And then look what that led to him becoming with this team in 2019. Mm-hmm. Without Dane Evans, this team doesn't go 15-3 and three and make the Grey Cup that year. Without Dane Evans, when Jeremiah Mazzoli's in and out of the lineup in 2021, they don't get to the Grey Cup that year. BC right now is, is very happy that they have Dane Evans. So you see guys in these games, these nothing games, these meaningless games that end up two, three years down the line becoming contributors and players. So I think that's what you kind of got to look for in this one is just stay healthy and, and hopefully you see some something special to some of these guys that are getting their first oppor- real opportunity to play some meaningful CFL minutes. Okay. I, I, if if Bo Levi gets on the field on Sunday up in Montreal and starts to, to get a little shaky and sweaty, I, I can understand why because that's where he broke his ankle. Yeah. Uh, it seems like a, months ago. Well, it was months ago. Uh, having said that, you say, okay, we should rest him. Maybe he shouldn't play at all. But on the other hand, I mean, I remember talking with John Salavatis, the, the great Tiger Cat coach, uh, after the last in the BC game, as a matter of fact, at halftime, and he says, he says, I'd, I'd be conflicted if I were the coach because he says you want to rest him, you want to protect him, but at the same time, he hasn't played a lot of football this year. Yeah. He did look a little rusty uh, in in the couple of the games that he did play. Uh, how do you balance that? I think Bo's got to play. I don't think you play him a ton. Um, I think maybe similarly to what we saw in that BC game, we saw him play the first half. Mm-hmm. He he had it. He had one really bad that, that that interception was horrible throw, but he took he took ownership of that. I remember after the play, he's tapping himself on the chest, going like my bad. And then after that, looked excellent in my yeah. opinion. Like two touchdown drives, drove him down the field. Like looked okay. Bo looked pretty sharp. Same with the game against Saskatchewan the week before his game first game back. It's like. He had some shaky moments, but then as he got settled in, it's like, okay, things are looking pretty good. I think you got to play him a little bit because he had so much time off. I don't want him like, yes, you want to protect him. Yes. You want to keep him healthy, but if, whether he gets hurt this week, next week or three weeks, you know what I mean? Like he's got to play football. Like this team, as good as Taylor Powell had looked as good as Matthew Schultz can be, they brought Bo Levi Mitchell in to win a championship. It's playoff time now. Now, yes, this game is not, doesn't matter in the standings, but we're in playoff mode for this team right now. 
And he's got to play some football now. Does he play a half? Does he play a quarter? I don't know. I think he'll play a little bit. I just don't think he'll play a lot. And then it'll be all comes down to what happens the following weekend. You know what I mean? So I, it, it is, you know, to echo coaches feelings there. Like it is a tough thing to kind of balance like rest versus rust or don't want to get him hurt, but he just hasn't played enough football this year, in my opinion. So he's got to be out there at least for a short spell, at least to give him a couple series, a quarter or a half or what have you, but he's got to be out there for something. You just can't, I don't think you can sit him. It's, it's one thing to sit a guy like Simone who's played every game this year. It's another yeah. to sit Bo who's missed so much time. And I think Bo's going to want to be out there too. He wants to knock all that rust off before sure. they get to the big game starting in the East semi against Montreal the following weekend. Very quickly. And I'm not trying to look past Montreal by any stretch of the imagination, but I was talking with our good friend Davis Sanchez about what's going on from course on TSN now. And, and I said, you know, you've, you've seen the talk. They're ready. They say, let's just engrave the great cup now with the Argos and, and move on from here. Um, and I said, not so fast. And he said, no, you're right. Not so fast. How many times have we seen a team that dominates during the regular season and gets smoked in the playoffs, especially with the Argos? Cause it's, it's a one game playoff. Uh, you know, they can come up flat as, as Hamilton did in the great cup in 2019 or 2019. Yeah. Out in Calgary. Uh, the Argos are a very, very, very good football team. Um, I, I wouldn't count the Winnipeg Blue Bombers out right now either. And, and I don't know whether it's going to be they or BC uh, that are going to come out of the Western Conference. Uh, in as much as the Argos are feeling pretty good about their season, and they should, uh, I don't think you can crown anybody right now. They're going to have to play these games to make sure that, that, that we've got the right team in there. And they'll, they'll play their way under that championship. Oh, absolutely. There's so many times, especially in football, with the one-and-done nature of a playoff format, if the ball bounces the wrong way, you're, you're out. Like we all went into that 2019 gray cup going, well, this is the year we get crowned. Like the Ticats are winning this. There's no question. Yeah. They dominated Winnipeg in the two previous meetings that season. They had just a few weeks earlier bludgeoned them in Winnipeg. I think they beat them something like 33 to 12 or something like that. 33 to 15. I can't remember what the exact score was. Simone set the record for tackles in a game. Like that team was flying high. They go into that game and they get punched in the mouth and the bombers beat them. And then the bombers are now on their run. You know what I mean? I mean, I remember a Ticats team, I think it was, I think it was 2010. They had swept the Argos either three or four games that season. They met him in the East semi in Hamilton. Kevin Glenn's the quarterback. You're thinking Cleo Lemon was starting for the Argos. Like, oh, this is going to be an easy, easy pickings. Argos won that game. The Argos come into Hamilton, win that game. And it's, you leave in the stadium going, I, what did we just like this team dominated this other team the entire season. And they like, how is that possible? because that's the nature of football, man. That's what makes it my favorite sport. That's what makes it probably a lot of people's favorite sports. It's so chaotic. Anything can happen. A tip ball here, a, a missed assignment there. And all of a sudden the, the massive favorite goes down. I mean, 2021 East final, the tie cats are down huge into that game. Poppy white takes a punt return, sparks the comeback. Tie cats make it to the great cup. So yeah, the Argos look like the best team. It looks like we're on a collision course for a rematch of last year. But how many times over the course of our fandoms, of our watching this league, have we seen, oh, these are the two teams that are going to meet in the Grey Cup, and nope, doesn't happen. So, no, yes, the Argos are the favorites, deservedly so. Etch them in stone, absolutely not. What was it, the 98 playoffs? Uh, Hamilton finished in third place. I mean, they, you know, they got smoked the year before, but they did make the playoffs. That was uh, Lan Ronnie Lancaster and everything. And we were in Montreal for that playoff game and losing late in the game. And Danny Mack hits Joe Higgins, who's not yep. even an offensive player. He's a linebacker who's in there on third down, third and 10. And he hits them. And he beats everybody for a touchdown. And that was the game. Uh, ballsiest just... call I've ever seen. Yeah, Absolute exactly. Ballsiest call I've ever seen. To throw it to a linebacker in that situation, man, you got to love Ronnie Lancaster. 
Oh yeah, yeah, and I still talk to Danny about that too. And because Higgins didn't even miss stride, I mean, but the two great quarterbacks. Well, as you say, you got to play them. I'm looking so forward to this uh, playoff football in the Canadian Football League is is always a blast. And uh, let's stay in touch and do this again on a regular basis. Always a joy to have you on the program, Josh. It is. It's a little more refreshing. We have a lot more breadth here than yeah. we did on the radio show. It was like we got to be in and out in like eight minutes. So it's like we got to be snappy. And I know there's a number of times I probably went over because I, I, as your listeners of the podcast will know, I tend to go on and on. I have a lot of thoughts, a lot of feelings, but this was an absolute blast, Bill. I can't wait to do it again. Uh, like I said, I'm always here when you need me. So uh, I look forward to us talking. Hopefully we're talking about a Ticats Grey Cup appearance and a Ticats victory. That'll be the cherry on top here. All right. And uh, for people that just can't get enough football, and there's a lot of them in Southern Ontario, your podcast, uh, give us yep. a plug. So I got my podcast with my friend, Mike Graham. We host Podski Wee Wee. It's a weekly show talking everything Thai Cats. Uh, we also have a Patreon page where we do some bonus content. Like I cover some of the stuff I see at practice when I get to go. We got some other stuff on there. So you can sign up on there for a small fee as well. It's just, uh, we all love this game. We all love talking about this game. So we're just trying to uh, try, try to make some money doing the things that we love, are we not? So <laughs> that's one of the things. And, of course, as always, you can find my, my written stuff at 3 Down Nation. I've been doing exactly. that there for a number of years. So if you want to find me and mostly Cat Sock, but there's some other CFL stuff in there as well. Sure. Those are, the, those are the places best you can find me. Okay. Josh, my friend, thanks so much for this. We'll talk again soon. Thanks a lot for having me on, Bill. Anytime. Josh Smith from Three Down Nation. And that's it for this very special edition of the Bill Kelly Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. And uh, by the way, thanks for subscribing. As Josh was mentioning, you can get the podcast and news updates and exclusive content by subscribing to the Substack. And uh, we welcome your comments and your suggestions about this or future shows, too. Watch us and follow us on YouTube, Facebook, X, and Instagram. And this is Bill Kelly. Until next time, Oski Wee Wee, football fans. We'll talk again soon. This podcast was brought to you by Rebecca Wizens and her team at Wizens Law. Rebecca Wizens is a 20-time winner of the Hamilton Reader's Choice Awards for their exceptional client care and legal practice specializing in personal injury, car accidents, accidental falls, and Wilson Estates. Now, if you or a loved one have been seriously injured, or if you want to make sure that your family is taken care of for the future with a will and powers of attorney, call Rebecca Wizens, 905-522-1102 for a free consultation. When life happens, you can rely on Rebecca Wizens and Wizens Law. And trust me, Rebecca is my wife, and I don't know what I'd do without her. That's Wizens Law, 905-522-1102 for a free consultation. Subscribe to my Substack for timely news updates and commentary straight to your inbox. Let's keep the conversation going. I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Let me know what you think we should be talking about next by contacting me through my website at www.billkelly.co. Thanks for tuning in. This is Bill Kelly. Till next time, you take care.